0: a season where you just felt heavy? Like emotionally, physically, spiritually. Have you ever had a season where you've just felt heavy? I've been in one of those seasons for about six to eight weeks. It's been weird. It's... uh I just want to tell you a little journey here, and then take you somewhere where I believe the Lord is taking us today, but I've had this uh, heaviness for the past six, eight weeks. It really started at the beginning of July for me, and um, it's been worse of the mornings. When I wake up of a morning, I woke up with this weird heaviness and I can't explain it because I have, I've had no reason since the beginning of July to really be heavy. My family's as good as it's ever been. We're getting ready to be grandparents. In fact, uh, Tasha leaves this coming weekend to go to Virginia. Our daughter, for those that don't know, our first child is due with our first grandbaby, August 21st. And so um, so Tasha's like, peace out. I'll see y'all. I'm going to be there. And uh, I leave just a few days after her, and, and you'll see us when the baby's done, all right? I keep calling Mariah and saying, hey, can you speed this up? Can, you get, can I ask her, can you give me a date? Can you give me a date that you think this is going to happen? Because I, I just want to be there. And so I love you all. But I'm just telling you, and I want you to hear it from our mouths. If you don't see us for a few weeks, we're not running from anything. We're going to be grandparents and be there for our daughter. And um, used to, I put ministry over family, and I'll never do that again. Okay? And so we're going to sit with our little baby girl. She's already called She's already called Tasha, and she's been like, how do I know when it's going to happen, you know? <laughs> and uh, panic, and she's like, and then this past week, I think she was like, Mom, will you please be in the room with me? And so we're going to be there. Um, Tasha leaves, like I said, on Friday. She's going to speak at a women's conference in St. Louis. Then, Then she's driving there. And then I get to fly there a few days later. So anyway, but be praying for her. Be praying for her. All right. So anyway, life's good. Health is good. Family's good. Church is good. Like, I mean, like really just we've gained... Just at Republic alone, 20, 25 families since like April. I mean, just people are excited what's happening at Destiny Church. The presence of the Lord is strong. Things are good. But I wake up every morning with this heaviness. I've, I've literally asked the Lord, you know, if you know anything about my story, i have like, Lord, is this, is it depression again? Like, Lord, what's going on? Is it spiritual? Is it physical? It's just like, Lord, what is this? And I've just felt it. And I'll just be honest. I've On that answer, on what it is, the Lord has been silent. I have no idea. It's just every morning. It's like there, and then as the day goes along, I get better. And then as nighttime comes, I get worse again. And it's just this heaviness. I, and I feel like maybe the Lord this week started letting me see it is a... Uh, and I'm not 100% sure, but here's what I think. I think this is something that's happened in the heavenlies. And I think it is some things that are happening before we take some next steps into a new season. And I think I've just been wrestling with that. Um, a few weeks ago, um, I wasn't going to share this, but a few weeks ago, Malak had a dream. Um, and uh, we've been praying for our kids to to experience Lord in real and fresh ways. And and uh, scripture says that our young men will have dreams and visions and y- old men, and, and so I've been praying that for my kids, and I don't know if Tasha's been praying that. I've been praying, Lord, like, give my kid dreams. And our nine-year-old has had a couple of things where he's had some dreams, and he had one a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, came and slept in our bed. And uh, the next morning, I flew out to a meeting in Houston, Texas, and... Uh, um, he didn't say anything. And then a day later he told Tasha, he said, mama, can I tell you about my dream? And she said, yeah, tell me about your dream, buddy. And he said, all right, I'm going to tell you about my dream, but don't talk till I'm done talking. (laughs) So, uh, so she was like, okay, I won't talk. And she, and he told her, he said, mama, we were, um, celebrating 4th of July. It was Dark outside, and we were shooting fireworks off, and the fireworks were beautiful and going up in the sky. And he said, As I watched the fireworks go up in the sky, demons started coming out of the fireworks. Mom and he said, They were shooting at us. And he said, But God sent angels. Somebody needs to hear this today. And he said, And those angels got in front of those fireworks. And those demons, and they carried him off. And he said, Then, Mama, he said, God came out of the sky, and he came and he knelt beside me and put his arms around me, and he said, I got this. Yeah. Somebody maybe needs to hear that today. God's got this. And so I think it's like the Lord just showing some things that are happening in the heavenlies. I think there is, I think we need to be more aware of that than ever before. But nonetheless, this this weird heaviness has been there. 99% of the mornings I've got out of bed and it's there. And this one day this past week, like every other day for the past, how many days are in eight weeks? You know, 56, something like that. That's my, my Missouri math. I think I figured that pretty quick. That was impromptu. That wasn't even in my notes. But like every other day out of the last... Fifty some days, I woke up with that same feeling, and it was it was uh, it was Tuesday. I said, "Lord, I don't want to feel this anymore." I said, "I'm tired of this. I'm done with this." And Lord just whispered to my heart, and it was the first time I'd heard Him whisper every, every morning that I woke up with this. And He said, "When do you feel the best?" And I said, "When I'm in Your presence." And sp- very specifically, I said, Sunday mornings when I'm worshiping with my Destiny Church families, when I feel my best, when I'm in your presence. And he said, a little more, what is it? And I said, it's your presence. And he said, that's your answer. Get in my presence. And I, and I try every day of my life to get in the presence of the Lord, this, but this week I was like, all right, Lord, I'm taking you on your word. And, I'm, and I've been more intentionally getting in the presence of the Lord and... And I've went back, and what I've done is I've went back to old music. Man, and just today, just singing like hallelujah, I was like, yes, there we are, you know? I went back, I was listening to old music, old worship music, southern gospel. I I went back to my roots. I was like, man, I'm just going to get in your presence, and I'm going to remember all the times I felt you when I was a kid. And man, I was listening back to songs like that. We're standing on holy ground. You know, I was listening to songs like, you know, uh, there's just something about that name. I was listening to Surely the Presence of the Lord. I was listening to Benny Hinn singing, Surely the Presence of the Lord is in this place. And I was in my car, driving down the road by myself, singing so loud, I started like, my voice started cracking. It's like, all right, I need to tone it down a little bit. I was listening to Black Gospel. I text Ed and Tanya and I said, sitting on a mower and listening to black gospel is not a good idea. I'm tapping my foot, you know, and I'm like, and I'm like, all right, I need to this, this is not, this does not work, you know. I was just like, this is this is not the right time to be doing this. Just get in his presence. And it's been good. And I'll tell you, I think. Running to the Father is the answer to whatever ails you. And today we're supposed to kick off the book of James. I don't even know. I don't know if they had that on the screen. It was like last minute. We're supposed to kick off the book of James and next week we'll dive into that. But today I want to take you on a different journey of something. So Tuesday morning I woke up. The Lord told me to get into his presence. And Tuesday morning I felt the Lord start speaking to me. I want to take you guys on a journey today, and we're going to do something different in just a moment that I believe many of you are going to be refreshed by. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19, and before anybody panics, think don't think, Pastor Chad's going to preach a long time. I'm not. We're going to focus on chapter 19, but I got to take you on a journey through 17 and 18 to get you to 19, all right? Let me pray over us. Father, speak through these words. Do what only you can do right now, not my words, not my ability. It's you. Holy Spirit, move. Do what you can do. Heal somebody today. Refresh people today. Refresh people online today. In your name we pray. Amen. Elijah is the character in 1 Kings chapter 17 through 19 that we're looking at today. Elijah suddenly appears on the pages of scripture in chapter 17 verse 1. Elijah, we don't see anything about him before and he just appears. And then Elijah, 2 Kings chapter uh, 2, we see Elijah just as suddenly as he appears in scripture, he suddenly disappears. Just so you know, Elijah is one of the very few people that we see in scripture that did not die. He just was gone. So Elijah had this special relationship with the Lord. And I just want to walk you through just a little bit, and I want to pour something into you. This is what the Lord poured into my heart this week from 1 Kings chapter 19. But I just want to talk, in, in, in chapter 17, like I said, we see Elijah appear on the, on the pages of Scripture. And you know, when you look at this, you would think that, uh, like that maybe he would have a little bit quieter entry into the Bible, but the very first thing Elijah does is prophesies that it's not going to rain. He's speaking to the spiritual really condition of Israel and he's, there's like judgment coming on the land because you look back through the pages and Israel was evil. God's people were not really following the Lord. And Elijah steps into this scene and he begins to prophesy and he says, hey, on the power of God, it will not rain again until I say it can rain. That's some some boldness to do that, but that's some confidence and some trust in your God. Elijah says it's not going to rain, and then the Bible tells us that he went into by a brook, and he sat there, and the Lord fed him and gave him water and rest and all of that, and then the brook dries up. And so Elijah starts out and heads towards a place called Zarephath. And at that place, there was a widow who had nothing left. She's down to her last jar of oil, not even her last jar, just her last drops for her and her son. She is a widow. And God tells Elijah to go there. Elijah heads towards this woman. And when he gets there, he's like, hey, give me something to eat. And she's like, I don't have anything except just this little bit, and then we're going to die. And he's like, no, the Lord says do this. And she gives him some of her oil, and he begins to live with them in a prophet's chamber, in essence, you might say. And he's living there, and they never run out of oil. It's this crazy, powerful miracle of God. And then this woman's son in chapter 17, and I want you guys just to go and read about Elijah. Just incredible, incredible stories. This widow's son now dies, and she's like, did you only come here to kill my son? And so Elijah's like, no, and he goes, and he prays, and he calls on the power of the Lord again, and he, and he lays out over this child, and he prays for him three times, and the boy comes back to life. Pretty cool. Chapter 18 rolls around. We're now in, chapter 17 was three and a half years. Because 18, it's, it was about three years, because 18 says later on in the third year of the drought. So we just kind of fast forwarded. And Elijah now He's getting ready to meet Ahab. Ahab is the king of Israel. Ahab is a evil king. His wife is Jezebel, an evil queen, but I wouldn't even call her a queen. Let's just call her a witch, all right? Truly what she is. And so Elijah, he's like, all right, getting ready to face off against Ahab because Ahab and Jezebel are angry at Elijah for the drought. And we see in chapter 18 that Ahab looks at him and says, you troubler of Israel. Yep, yep. And Elijah's like, it's not my fault. I'm just doing what the Lord says. You're the evil king, this is the evil people. And so Elijah's like, all right, let's just kind of just show you who's got some power here. And Elijah says, let's, let's, let's go to Mount Carmel. Ahab and Mount Car- and, and Elijah are going to have a showdown. We see this in 18. Uh, starting in verse 20. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, he's speaking to the people of Israel. How much longer will you waver between two opinions? If God is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people were completely silent. Elijah, so this, what you have to see here is Elijah's getting ready to go to battle. And we talk about 450 prophets of Baal where there's actually about 850 to 900 prophets that Elijah is going to battle against by himself. And these prophets, these false prophets, worshiping this false gods, these false gods, little g-gods, they are calling on their God day and night. Around 24 hours, they're calling on their God to show up and nothing happens. And in the middle of Elijah starts taunting them. Is your God asleep? Is your God on the bathroom break? Is your God traveling? Where's your God? Nothing. They're cutting themselves. Nothing's happening. And so Elijah's finally, like verse 30, Elijah steps into the scene. He's like, all right, enough's enough with you guys. Let's pick it up in verse 30. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here, and they crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. And after they had done this, he said, do the same thing again and when they're finished he said do it again so they did and now the water ran around the altar and filled the trench and at the i'm picking up verse 36 and at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed remember about 24 hours these false prophets have been cutting themselves chanting doing everything elijah steps in the scene he's like oh lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord he is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal, don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them. Elijah took them to the Kishon Valley and he killed them. Pretty powerful stuff so far, right? And then Elijah is like, All right, now it can rain. He goes out and he tells his prophet, He tells them all, Hey, it's gonna rain. This prophet, his servant comes back and he says, I don't see anything. Look again. I don't see anything. Look again. Well, I see a cloud size of a man's hand. And this downpour comes. And so I want you to see all this. I want you to understand what's been happening here with Elijah. He is this prophet of God and these powerful, powerful things have been happening in his life. And then we roll around. To chapter 19 and when Ahab got home this is the king he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done he told Jezebel the witch right the queen including the way he'd killed all the prophets about what happens is I think Eli- is Ahab went home and like sucking his thumb and crying to his wife who was really in charge so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods, little G, strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now, I'm thinking if I'm Elijah and I just had a three and a half year period of all these things God has said and done, miracle upon miracle and powerful things, and this one little witch says, hey, I'm going to kill you, I'd have been like, psst, all right? That's not what Elijah does. Let's pick it up in verse three. Elijah was afraid. Everybody say afraid. Afraid. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. First thing I want you to see, here's who I want to talk to today. I want to talk to the people in the room who are tired. I want to talk to the people in the room who are worn out. I want to talk to the people in the room who are anxious and fearful and overwhelmed. And what I found out is when you find yourself in this place, like Elijah, we seclude ourselves and we isolate ourselves. And this is what Elijah does. He is afraid. He's fearful. He sends his servant out. He goes out a little further and he went alone into the wilderness traveling all day. And he sat under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. I want to talk to those of you who've had enough. You've had enough. And here's the deal. Some of you have become so numb, you don't even know it. Today, the Lord is gonna awaken you. And I wanna tell you that God has something for you today. Today. Here's what I want to tell you. First thing, I don't believe it was God led for Elijah to flee. I don't. I think Elijah just ran. I think he was tired. I don't think it was God led, but for whatever reason, he took off running. My gut reaction tells me that Elijah was not, the Lord didn't say, Elijah run this direction. My gut reaction is Elijah got tired anxious, overwhelmed, fearful. And listen to me, how you know when you get tired, anxious, overwhelmed, fearful, sometimes you do things you're not supposed to do, right? Or am I the only one? Am I the only one that sometimes when I get tired or anxious or overwhelmed, right? We we sometimes do things we shouldn't do. We sometimes run, we, whatever it might be. Elijah didn't make the best choices, and he runs. And not only did he run, but like I just said, he isolated himself, he secluded himself, and he threw a pity party. In verse 4, I just read it to you, but let's read it again. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life no better than my ancestors who've already died. This mighty man of prayer, this mighty man of God who just seen incredible things, at his word, it didn't rain. At his word, it started to rain again. This man is now praying that he would die. Aren't we glad that the Lord didn't answer that prayer? Aren't you glad sometimes the Lord doesn't answer our foolish prayers, right? That's a lesson I think we need to learn. And sometimes no is the better answer. But, Lord, but Elijah's like, Lord, I'm tired. Enough's enough. I'm done. And I wonder today how many of you in this room feel that way? I'm tired. I'm fearful. I'm done. Enough's enough. I love you, God. I trust you, God. I know you're good and I know you're powerful and I know you can do anything, but God, I'm done. I'm tired spiritually. I'm tired emotionally. I'm tired relationally. I'm tired physically. I'm tired of trying to be something I never should have been. I'm tired. I'm done with this sickness. I'm done with this marriage. I'm done with these kids. I'm done with my calling. I'm done with my spouse. I'm done with my faith. I'm done with my dead-end job. I'm done living paycheck to paycheck. I'm done being a single parent. I'm done with this sin. I'm done with this addiction. I'm done. I'm done. Enough. Enough. And like Elijah, I feel like there's many of us where we're like, Lord, either fix it or I'm taking matters into my own hands. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm stressed out. I'm exhausted. I've busted my tail for you. And what has accomplished? Nothing. And this is where I think Elijah is. At Mount Carmel, as powerful as that was, I don't believe, I can't see it in scripture, that it brought about lasting revival or permanent change. Have you ever felt like all that you were doing for life, your family, for God, for all of it is like I'm doing all this stuff and nothing's like permanently happening and I'm just spinning my wheels and I'm clocking in and I'm clocking out but enough's enough, God. I'm done, Lord. And I feel like this is where some of you are today. You're tired. You keep coming to church. You keep getting up every morning. You keep fixing your hair or some of you shining your head. You brush your teeth. You put your clothes on and you go to work, but you're just done. And you're just walking around like a, a zombie or you're just walking around like the living dead. And you're going through day after day after day after day. But inside you're just saying, I'm done i'm done i'm tired and something i really want you to see here something interesting happens like god doesn't berate elijah like if i'm god in this situation i would have been like elijah what are you doing boy was my power not just there Did you not just see? why are you running from this? Just stand up to her like you did those false prophets. That's what I would have been, but God didn't do that. God didn't berate him. God didn't shame him. God didn't condemn him. The Lord encouraged him. And Lord gave him some sleep and some food. And here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes... All you need is a little rest and something to eat. And that could be physical food or that could be spiritual. Sometimes that's all we need. And today, some of you are in this room and you're tired. And you're overwhelmed. And life And family and job and health and school and commitments and requirements and committees and projects and all these things. Failures, mistakes, promises from God not yet fulfilled. And you're tired you're overwhelmed. And honestly, today, I just, I'll tell you, this was a, this was the most different message I've ever written in my life. I didn't really write it until yesterday. But I just, I just sat there with it all week long. And every day I was like, I'd feel the Lord put something fresh in it for me, for you. And one day this week, I felt the Lord just nudge my heart About a few specific people. And when I say a few specific people. I didn't see a face. I just heard the Lord say. Single mom. You're tired. And I felt like the Lord said. He wants you to know he sees you. Parents of a child with special needs. You're tired. And I felt like the Lord said. I see you. Spouse in the room who your spouse is not serving the Lord and you're tired and you're wondering, is there any more left in this marriage? The Lord says, I see you. There's somebody here that something's going on with your job. I I don't know exactly what it was, but it was like the Lord showed me there's somebody that you feel like you're barely holding on to your job and the Lord says, I see you. I see you. And today you're tired, you're overwhelmed, some of you are fearful, that's one of the words the Lord's been showing me, just like Elijah, he ran because he was fearful. But I think he became fearful because he became tired. And I think sometimes when we become tired, we make bad choices. And when I'm talking tired, I'm not like, well, that was a long day, I need to go to sleep. I'm like talking about tired in your soul. You see, I think Elijah was tired in his soul. I don't think that Elijah was living in sin or any of that. I don't, uh, he's a man of God and he's doing incredible things. But I think there comes a time and a season where sometimes you just need to like take a bite and rest. Elijah's tired. Some of you in this room, You are depressed. Some of you in this room, you are anxious. Some of you are a little bit like Elijah and in essence, you're ready to die. You're not, I'm not talking suicidal, that's a different thing. I'm talking just about like, Lord, if, you, if, if, if you're done with me, I'm okay to leave. I'm tired. That's where some of us are. Enough's enough, Lord. I'm throwing in the towel. And that's really what we see happening here with Elijah, but... But I want you to notice something that the Lord really kind of showed me this week elijah i 've never noticed this i 've read it, but it just didn 't ever click until this week. Yes, Elijah ran. yes, Elijah was tired. yes, Elijah was fearful. Yes, I think Elijah was depressed. I think he was anxious i think I think he was making poor choices. Elijah complained, Elijah grumbled. In this moment, chapter 17 and 18 are two of the most powerful chapters in all of the Bible to me. It's like, yes, watch what God's doing. It's like just, and then 19 is like one of the most depressing. This does not sound like the man that just killed 850 prophets and went toe to toe with them. This does not sound like the man that just said, it's not gonna rain until I say it can rain. This sounds like me on one of my bad days. Woe is me. Something you might not have seen as we read this story, and this is what I want to focus on for just the last few moments. I want you to notice the direction Elijah ran. Did he run north, past Chad? Did he run south? I'm not talking about that. He ran. He ran to Beersheba, But if we skip down to chapter 19, (coughs) verse 8, I'm going to go back and read just a minute, but I want you to see this. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. You see, sometimes what you need to do is run to the Lord. And that's what the Lord has been telling me since I woke up Tuesday. And I was like, Lord, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And he said, run to my presence. In his presence is joy. In his presence is peace. In his presence are the answers you look for. In his presence is strength for the journey ahead. So I want you to see this. Let's pick it up in verse 5, and then we're going to pray. Then Elijah lay down, and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around him, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Where do you think that food came from? Who do you think gave him that food? This is where you can answer. There wasn't a pizza hut that day. There was no Uber, Eats, or, you know, Repmo, get fed, Repmo, there's none of that. It's the Lord. Lord prepared a meal for him. When I read this, I think of Psalms chapter 23. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. When I read this, I think of places like Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and 30 that says, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Some of you today, this is what you need. You need food from the Lord. I'm not talking about a Big Mac. I'm not talking about a, you know, prime rib. I, I'm talking about a meal from the Lord that feeds your soul. I'm not talking about this morning laying on your pillow top king size mattress. This morning, I'm talking about laying your head on the presence of the Lord and just resting and trusting in him. And Elijah goes to sleep. And as he's asleep, the Lord prepares him a meal and he wakes up. He ate, he drank, and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came to him again and touched him and said, get up, and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Some of us, what I'm telling you is the reason the journey feels like it's too heavy for you is because you're not doing it in the presence of the Lord. When you try to fix your marriage by yourself, it's too heavy. When you try to get healed by yourself, it's too heavy. When you try to save your son or your daughter by yourself, it's too heavy. But when you get in the presence of the Lord, and you trust in Him, and you lean into him and when you allow him to give you some food, there is strength for the journey ahead.